Hey everybody, thank you so much for taking the time to tune in to another bonus episode of the Put the Stress Down podcast. In this episode, we sit with our good friend Steven, one-third of the Hype vs. Hate team as we continue our three-part series for a good conversation on growing up in the Dirty D. Shout out to Detroit and hosting the podcast and his combat experiences and just the things he went through growing up and how he's managed to overcome and not only overcome but to thrive and succeed and you know to continue to fight every single day to provide for his family and to create content. And, and to do his part as the three of them do to bring some joy into the world so we hope you enjoy it it's a very good episode we had a good time it's it's fun there's tears from me of course because what else is new i'm always crying but it's a good show so i hope you guys enjoy it we'll have part three for you next week as we wrap this up but please enjoy this next episode right after this ad welcome to the show thank you for listening <laughs> Oh, man. And the show prep, I just kept telling myself, like, how am I going to talk this in? What am I going to, you know, am I going to give props to this beat? Like, I usually try to compliment the songs, but I'm like, where do I go with this one? Well, all I could do is laugh because it's so fucking perfect. And if you know, you know, you're a real OG. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Put the Stress Down podcast. It is an honor to be back here today to continue our three-part series with the Hype versus Hate team. Today we have the second co-host of the show, my good friend Steven, a.k.a. Rabbit, a.k.a. Gaga's favorite little monster. You can find him at Hype versus Hate at underscore Rabbit313 on Instagram. Detroit, stand up and welcome Steven to the show. What up, though? Yay, yay, what is what up, my up, G? No. Bro, if that intro don't get you hype, you don't have a heartbeat. Bro. Yay, yay, and I didn't and I ain't even getting started, son. That's just the warm-up. Let's go. By the way, <laughs> R.I.P. Animal, which is the, the point of that one. R.I.P. Animal, he just recently passed in the end of September, and um, he's joined his tag team partner, Hulk, who passed away in 2003, and Hulk <laughs> battled a lot of those demons we're going to talk about, brother, and, and it's... It, bittersweet to see them together if you don't know animal's son john laurinitis played for the rams for six years and ended with the saints he has seven year good nfl career as a linebacker shout out to animal shout out to hulk shout out legion to adam the legion of doom didn't they have a third one that tried to kick it for a while the dude that puke by <laughs> god cause right yeah forgettable Bro, to he, say the least okay but not to be a jerk but if you ever if you google that fool right now he's he had a bad injury and he's in like a wheelchair. Like he he's paralyzed from the next down. Oh shit. Well, now that you took all the wind out of the fun <laughs> sales of the show, let's uh, jump right into the meat and potatoes. Let the world know, uh, you know, where'd you come from, bro? Where'd you grow up? Uh, what was your situation like coming up? Was it a uh, full household, mom and dad, one or the other? Well, what up though? Should have gave it away. I'm born and raised Detroit, Michigan. Yay. Yay. Um, yay, yay. Let's go right by the old tiger stadium. Is what we always say. Uh, Michigan, Illinois area, De- Devereaux Street, stand up. And I grew up single child, only uh, now a single mom, bro. And and moms worked their ass off. And, and I just kind of went to school until I realized I didn't have to go to school. And then I started not going to school. Right, right. And and um, and we just did it, man. We were we were our own little tag team champs, man. Me and moms, man. We did, we did the damn thing. 
Right, man. And, and I think that's, uh, I've heard that scenario from, I mean, at least 50% of my guests, you know, whether it's one way or the other, just moms and you are just pops and you. So, you know, I feel like a lot of our generation has that same kind of upbringing and it really kind of made a lot of people who they are because we were all just kind of forced to grow up a little bit faster. You know what I mean? I tell people all the time, it's, it's, it's part of my character, you know, like I had to learn how to iron. I had to learn how to cook my, you know, some grilled cheeses and french fries and, and eat, you know, I mean, she was a waitress for 21 years. Um, and right by downtown Detroit, right by the ambassador bridge. And she, um, you know, so when I, when I got home from school at 3 PM, you know, she would be leaving for work at four thirty. you know, and, and I went, you know, and it was just her and I, like I understood and I never really asked, remembered or like really wondered where dad, you know, like it never really like occurred to me. You know what I mean, like yeah. it, it was just me and mom, you know, which is, you know, it's hard to explain to people, but like, I never asked, you know, I never really, it just seemed like this was me. This was us. It was normal. Um, and one, one day in, in a basketball practice, I got home and my mom said, your dad's going to call you. And I'm like, who? And it was, it was a Thursday evening. I'll never forget it. And, um, I was, I think I was in eighth grade, ninth grade. And, um, and I had this awkward conversation with, um, with, with Ablardo Lali Perez, man. Shout out to the Perez family. They've been all fucking great and welcoming since day one. I love right them. On. Much respect, much respect. Much respect, bro. They've all been great. And um, But, you know, it, it, it's just, it wasn't going to be the same. You know, it wasn't going to be normal. Of course. You know, of course. So, um, you know, and we struggled to kind of, you know, connect, you know, for a long, long time. And it really wasn't until mom's passed away in 2006 at 45 unexpectedly obviously um after that i mean him and i got as, as close as we could you know and and it was it was nice man it was cool that's good man that's great to hear you know i think we again our generation kind of went through a lot and i think our parents were going through a lot and so a lot of us come from whatever the case was split families you know and as in our younger years, you, you, you kind of wonder why certain things or you don't understand certain things or you feel some type of way. But I think as we grow and now as parents ourselves, we can kind of understand like they were trying to do the best they could. Yeah, it's not. I mean, now I, I understand it. You know, it's, it's nobody's fault, you know, and, and it's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes, you know, um, each, each scenario is different. Um, and, you know, but, but when you're young, you don't know, you know, you, you don't know. You're just starting, you're inexperienced, you know, and if you're inexperienced in anything in life, you have to stumble a little bit to learn. And that was a learning experience for me, you know, and, and it was, it, it, I mean, it's looking back though. I mean, it's, it's a constant kind of reaction of mine throughout, you know, yeah. it's kind of like, don't, you know, I just never really ask questions, just accept the things as it, as it is. Get yeah. through it. Yeah. I mean, I think that, that that's what it's had to be for so many, you know, because it's like, I don't have time to sit around and wonder why I need to fucking eat or I need to do this or that. And that's what it has to be. You know what I mean? So not having that, you know, that father figure in your home, w when it came to things like, you know, racial tension and, and, you know, just how to treat other people, you know, how to be a good man, quote unquote, you know, where did you kind of look to, to, to kind of form th that identity? Um, everywhere, 
you know, you, you look everywhere because you don't, you, you don't know what it's like, you know, like you don't have that person in your home on a day-to-day basis, you know, kind of telling you and teaching you how to be the man. But for me, I have plenty of, of father figures, you know, that, you know, I, I gravitated to and I took a little bit from everybody, you know, and I was, I was, you know, blessed to be, you know, watched and, and kind of raised by the Vara family, you know, which, uh, where, where my mom was a, was a waitress and had to work all them, all them hours and nights. I mean, they took me in very early, you know, in, in diapers, newborn. And, you know, and to this day, you know, my, my aunt Carol was just here last week, you know, surprises on our doorstep and, and is connecting with Selena, you know, and it's beautiful. And I love that. I call them all aunts. I'm with, that's my family, you know, like, you know, and to turn it back to sports a little bit, when, when I talked about my, my kind of Cowboys being my second team, and I say to half my family are Cowboy fans, that's family, that's Cowboy fans, you know. And to me, that's the connection to that team. Right. You know, and and as we're going to connect the dots here throughout this episode, you know, that's kind of what the, what the constant is, is I connect my team personally, you know, with just emotion there. Oh, um, yeah. Every, every single one of them, you know, so... You know, and, and that's what I did. You know, so I was blessed by, by them. I was blessed to have, you know, my idol, you know, who who is my cousin, um, Robbie David, you know, Tom, Tom is the, some of his friends call him, but he's Robbie to us. And he was the dude that I tried to beat growing up. You know, he's, he's <laughs> yeah. good four or five years older than me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it took me forever. I remember the first time I beat him one-on-one in basketball, I literally screamed and, and sprinted around the yard. <laughs> I believe it. I you know, you people like, you know, because yeah. it meant that cause I beat that motherfucker that day, you know, like yeah. that, that meant something. I felt, I felt that. And, um, you know, me, but he, he's been a constant in my life and, and it's been absolutely like, you know, my, my best friend for decades now, you know, and has taught me a lot, you know, um, and, you know, and there's just so many, you know, I'm sorry, I'm going to forget mentioning some, but I hope they forgive me. But, um, you know, and then that's why I looked at the father figure. Of course, my, my current one, Mario, you know, my, my father-in-law is teaching me. He's taught me so much in, in the last decade of my life, you know, that's which sick. has been very an, important part of my life. A, a very like, you know, I, I've kind of matured in the last 10 years. You know, it's been big, um, step forward, backwards, forward again, you know, and all that. And, and he's been uh, yeah, a prime example of, uh, of how to be a man, you know. So I, I've always had that father figure nearby. I've looked everywhere. Um, and I feel like, you know, I've, I've even gone to, you know, my love of sports goes as deep as quotes, you know, and the greats and their stories and their drive to get there. And, and the Kobe's and Michael's of the world that, their teammates talk about their obsession to be the best, you know, and I look at that as my driving force, you know, as my dad figure, if that makes sense, you know, yeah. um, that's, that's what, that, that's what sports means to me. And, and that's why like, I'm literally the definition of fanatic, you know, like everything I do. I laugh at myself sometimes, especially now that we have to add an, an accessory on our face. <laughs> as, of course I have four different lions, you know, face masks, so I catch <laughs> yeah. myself wearing, you know, the other day I had a Lakers, my Lakers hat out with a Lions mask. I have like, you know, I'm wearing all these different teams. You know, I'm wearing multiple clothing items of my teams. Like, I'm repping 24-7. But it's just that connection. Um, 
you know, that, that I've, I've made, I've connected the dots with all of it through this whole time. Yeah, that's sick, man. And we'll get into that more later for sure, because, you know, I want to talk about your guys' show and, you know, ask you some, some even deeper questions on what, uh, not just sports, but your home Detroit sports mean to you. So we'll get into that. But what about like, you know, on the flip side of, you know, being a man and being tough. And when it came to the softer side of having emotion and being, you know, compassion and things like that, was that something that was instilled into you or was there more, did you feel more, even as a child pressure to kind of man up because of the situation you were in? I'm still learning how to be and show emotion. Um, It's not something that, was, was you know that was pushed for me to show growing up right and um and so you 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 know i a lot of times got the vibe and kind of what what the culture what was right and not to do in, in the culture based off school hanging out with my friends you know in the neighborhood of talking that's how i kind of um you know guided my decision making and you know and everything like that so emotion is never you know we didn't we never hung out on someone's porch, you know, just crying and talking about, you know, things that we love or mess or anything like that. You I mean, it was always about something else. So, you know, then you join the, the, you know, the Marines or boot camp and, and that emotion is completely different. So it, it wasn't until later in my life. So I went through some pretty big, I guess you can say emotional events and changes in my life where I realized that, okay, something wasn't right there. Um, I need to change something moving forward. And that's when I started kind of, and, and of course, being blessed, meeting people from all over the country and world, um, it opened your eyes as to what a, what the bigger picture is. Right, absolutely. And so having, you know, not being showered really to show emotion growing up and you find yourself now as a parent, do you find that that affected your, your relationship with your baby girl or do you find yourself, you know, actively wanting to try to unlearn that? I think that's a great question. I, I feel like I, I make it, 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 there's an intent there for me to show and show her it's okay and give her more emotion. Um, I feel like I definitely try and make it a point to give her and show her things that I didn't have, you know, because that's the point, right? We want our kids or the next generation to have it better than us. Oh yeah. So I, I, again, I take that personally and, and I make it a point, you know, and I, I treat that with her all the time. Like, you know, I think that I'm into or things that I know I wanted back in the day. If I see it in fucking target, if I'm walking down the aisle, I'm grabbing it. You know what I mean? It, like you're going to experience this because I enjoyed it. I know you're going to enjoy this. Um, you know, it's things like that. That definitely goes into. Um, that's a big part of my decision making. You know, as a as a dad. Right. Yeah, mine too, bro. It really needs to be, and, and I and I've touched on that on on a couple of different episodes. You know, I, I've stressed how important it is. Like, mm-hmm. yes, bro, I, I, I'm not perfect. I'm a human being. So when some dickhead cuts me off or, or you know comes at me sideways, my first instinct is to follow that fool home and really show him what time it is. You know, it is, but. I got babies here, man. I got a wife here. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's my priorities had to change it. And I had to experience that emotional growth. Otherwise, this was never going to work, you know? Yeah, but it's still who we are, you know? It's still right. our core, right. you know? Like, I saw a post from my cousin on Facebook the other day from my cousin Louis Delgado. Shout out to Louis. Shout out, Big and, Lou. And his post said, oh, that's, that's literally his nickname. Baby. And, um, <laughs> 
And the post said, you know, I may seem like I'm okay, but I'm just waiting for somebody to swing on me so I can see I still got it. Oh, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. like, like that resonates because that's like, you know, that's all I've been waiting for. You know, I've been in the club before and I'm just like, God, please somebody just swing, you know, <laughs> give me a reason to get kicked out, you know, just so I can feel like I've been kicked out again. You know, like it, it, it's, it's crazy because that's who you are deep down. You just got to like bring, you know, be yourself a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's just that that human, natural, like, savage shit, like, hunter, protector, gatherer, like, I think that's just in us, bro, and, and you know, it's it's an active, you know, job, like, it's exhausting sometimes to, to just always take the high road and always just, you know, sometimes take it on the cheek and just say, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, a balance of life, a balance of everything. Right. Oh, yeah. And it's definitely easier said than done. And you mentioned, you know, a big part of, of growth and learning is meeting people from around the world. And obviously you and I both were afforded that luxury because of the Marine Corps. So you, you're growing up, you're, you're back in the dirty D, you know, you're doing your thing. And, and so what was it that, that lit that spark or, or that made you say, you know, I'm going to walk into this office and see what's good? All right. So I was a senior in high school. Um, shout out to Casa Richard Academy. Let's go, baby. And <laughs> and it was a career day. We had to pick three different jobs that we wanted to, you know, sit in front of the, you know, recruiter and listen to. So me and my boys, we picked the three easiest ones that we thought, you know, it would be, you know, the, the least boring ones. Um, you know, and, we, and before school started, we were, you know, engaging in our usual activities. And so we came in, and next thing you know, the first one up was a Marine. And I'm like, what? what's a Marine? Is that part of the military? And they're, and they're like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what do they do? And they're like, I don't know. I'm like, so why did you sign up for this? And they're like, I don't know. They just seemed easy. So I'm like, okay, cool. And so we're just there, you know, slouching on the desk. And in comes these two recruiters wearing the most beautiful dress blues I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. With sure. shiny medals. And here's where the decision was made, as soon as they walked in the room, all the girls in my class sat up like German shepherds. <laughs> and if that got my attention, like, word? Yeah. Word? Okay. <laughs> and so I listened. That got my attention. And he was the funniest dude I've ever met. Like, it was literally major pain in person, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, that's what this dude reminded me of. And I was cracking up, bro. And they gave us the cards in the end, fill out your information, we'll call you, we'll talk, yada, yada, yada. And I did it. A few days, you know, the next day, I think, actually, my, my recruiter called me. I'm like, yeah, I'll come meet you. I ain't doing shit else, you know? And he came, picked me up. Mom, again, was working. She worked. She was working downtown at this time uh, as a county clerk. Uh, if you ever seen the statue outside the building, always had the jersey on. You know, the green guy, um, whenever Detroit sport is playing, that's, that's where my mom works. Sick. Next floor. And, um, and so he picked me up, you know, the next day and took me to the recruiter's office, told me to pick out three tags out of his little pile that mean the most. Right. Yeah. And it was, and it was like, you know, education, um, you know, some other bullshit you pick and he, and he does his little spill. And I was like, okay, so you'll pay your, your, my college? And they said, yeah. And, you know, that kind of got my attention because he asked me, what are you, you going to do next year? And I, I told him, I said, I don't, I don't know. I didn't really think that far. Like, I, but I knew I wasn't going to college. And so he goes, what are you going to do? And he made me really just think about what I was going to do with my life. And I didn't really have a plan. 
And so he offered me stuff that sounded amazing. And to me, sounded like this is a shortcut to get what everybody else has been working hard the past 12 years or whatever for, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah, for sure. So that sounds good. This is my, this is my get out of free, you know, get out of jail free card. So I, I took, I signed up and my mom still didn't know that I was talking to a recruiter. So wow. I, I didn't, I didn't tell her. I couldn't tell her. Um, my mom had just kind of recovered from a brain aneurysm, um, you know, a couple years before that. And that kind of still just, um, just, just lingered on. And, um, so she wasn't happy, but I knew for, for me that I had to make a decision and find a way out of there and able to, to do something, you know, because, um, I, I just didn't have many avenues of, um, you know, or, or any vision outside the world of Detroit at that time. Right. You know, I didn't know, I didn't know what the world was. I didn't think, I didn't think about next year growing up in Detroit, you know? Yeah. So you know, so I joined <laughs> the fucking, I joined out of high school. I graduated in what, you know, May, June. And I went to boot camp in October. Um, Damn, that's quick, dog. That so was you, a quick so you, so I had I no mean, time off. Yeah, none. So we, I think we all kind of know and, and had our own ideas, you know, in our head, probably grander than, you know, you never really know of what we've seen and what we thought it was going to be. So what's it like for you? Boom, you're on the bus, you're rolling up to those gates and... You know, they jump on the bus and the rest is history. What, what, where were you at at that point mentally? Were you like, I got this because I already know what the game is? Or were you like, oh shit? I was like, oh shit. <laughs> because I still didn't know what a Marine was. Yeah, you know, like yeah. anybody who knows me knows I wasn't spending my last week, my last two or three months studying Marine Corps knowledge. You right, know, like, right, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I went to, I went to boot camp and, and one of my first memories of riding that bus First of all, I got to the airport and I still didn't really understand what was going on. And and there was other kids next to me that, that would talk and they kind of knew what was up. Like they were into that shit. And next thing you know, we get to the airport and I see drill instructors running around there like yelling at people. And I'm like, oh shit, it starts now? <laughs> I'm like, it starts now? Like, okay. And I remember going to the bathroom. I remember sitting there like, what am I even doing? Like, I can't go home tomorrow. You know, like, this isn't cool anymore. This isn't, like, all my friends are back home. My mom's pissed off. Like, what am I doing? Yeah. And, and then next thing you know, I have to get on a bus and go get, get my head shaved, which, you know, wasn't nothing for me, but it, it was the process. And, you know, that first couple of days, you don't sleep. You yeah. know, I'm just like, what the, like, what am I doing? One of my first memories in boot camp was, you know, when you start inspecting your gear, you get everything issued, and, and they go through a checklist and make sure you have everything. And they're like, Okay, pick up the canteen. And I'm looking around. I had to, for every single item, I had to look to my left and right. Cause I didn't know what a canteen was. I didn't know what a bulkhead was. I didn't know what a portal was. Like, I didn't know what nothing was. So, like, I'm like, I was so behind in boot camp. You know, like, I was the dude, like, lip syncing in formation when they were asking knowledge questions. You know, like, that was me. Yeah. I love <laughs> so it. I love it. Yeah. That was a struggle it. already for me. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't grow up and I still don't like military movies you know it's, it's just not really my shit you know yeah so I just felt like it was a job to me you know I had to learn a job and get through it because I was gonna do four years get out go to school and change my life and it was over from there <laughs> yeah so that was that was the plan you know that was my that was my success story in my head at that time <laughs> 
Oh yeah, I mean it's a beautiful story on paper, definitely. So you get found it easier, found it yeah, perfect. It really does. So you get done, you graduate, you know what I mean. You make it out alive, get through MCT, and now you're off to Fort Lost in the woods. So what was your experience like there? Did you have a good school experience, or did you have one of them sour experiences? Well, that is a slightly incorrect, my dude. Because oh, no, I, I was, back. I, I was, back. Uh, I was a admin clerk that's right i forgot okay okay because because another story is during those few months right when i said i wasn't gonna be studying marine corps knowledge i also wasn't gonna be answering my recruiter's phone calls (laughs) so i skipped out of town i went to texas i went you know i was doing my own thing i wasn't answering a recruiter phone call so i never picked the mos i had a blank empty mos going to boot camp nice and thankfully my my recruiter was so dope that he that he he put in admin instead of grunt. Like I would have. Oh you guys, man! Oh, you, guys, you guys know me. I'm no grunt. Yeah. I'm no. There's no grunt inside this dude. You know. <laughs> yeah. So when I found that out, and I found out what admin was, I called him and thanked him. Like, yo, I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, like like the real shit. I appreciate that because I'd have been pissed off. You know, three left. Respect to those dudes, but that ain't me. Yeah. No. No. Those dudes are so, cut from from steel. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so, you know, that, that's kind of like, so I went to, um, a, a base somewhere in, in Jacksonville, North Carolina, man, Camp Lejeune. And that's where boys become men, you yeah. know, that's, yes. where, that's where you live <laughs> life. You, you, you see your experience. I remember we, were, we went to a strip club on the raid. They made us put red t-shirts on in the front row. <laughs> You know, like that's when you're experiencing that shit. I got a bloody nose that night. <laughs> like those are the stories you're creating in championship. Oh man, I believe me, they're they're the same stories were happening in Fort Leonard Wood. It's it's we could go tit for tat all night long on the crazy I, shit I, that I, happened. I went to Fort um Fort Leonard Wood when I uh, I reenlisted and and lat moved, and that's when um I went to Fort Lost in the Woods. That was fantastic. Okay, and that was was that fully intended to be a gate MP and just go garrison or what, what, how did it come to be? What was yeah. your experience like? Yeah. So when I, um, back up a little, I, so after the boot camp and MCT and all that, and I, you know, in Jacksonville and all that stuff, um, I get to pick my duty station and me and my, my brother from another mother, Sam moon. I love that man to death. Sam, if you're listening, I love you, brother. Shout out. Sam, Sam is, is my brother from, from Cleveland and him and I tried so hard to get stationed together. Uh, but he ended up getting stationed. Um, we got stationed the same dude, same base, but he went to different units. Um, and we kind of drifted apart from there. But, um, so we tried and we used to drive together, him and I, 10, 12 hours on the weekends from Cherry Point, North Carolina, where he stopped at Cleveland. I, you know, and I just keep going another couple hours to Detroit. Um, and that's where, um, I deployed out of, uh, in 2005 to Al Iraq. Our deployment unit, second lab battalion. Shout out the the second low altitude defense battalion, Cherry Point. They're bre- they they're, they're the um the, the the gunners, and we deployed to Iraq and connected with a MP battalion, a field unit, and we were the base security for for Al Assad. So we did all the ECPs and, and the uh and, and all the nice little responsive reaction convoys, um and we did that and we we swapped halfway through, um. But that's when I met the MPs and talked to MPs, and 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 I was you uh, know, and I always wanted to kind of be a cop inside. I like wearing a badge. I thought the uniform was dope. You could walk around with a gun, you know what I mean? And and you didn't really have to shoot it. So to me, that was perfect. Yeah. And <laughs> so I knew um, 
you know, maybe I thought maybe I'd get out and be a cop. And so, you know, we deployed. I met some great friends there, made some amazing bonds. Abe Adelazar, Chris Franklin, um, Bronco Bilicic. I can go on and on. Hardenbrook, um, uh, Kaiser. I mean, I can go on and on with, with people who who changed my life. But those guys, you want to, we can go back to the father figure part. Those guys also learning from from people from all over the country. Yeah, is what started opening my eyes to what's out there. You know, because I honestly didn't travel much growing up, so I didn't know what the what the rest of the country was except for what I saw on TV. So meeting people and seeing people and hearing them talk and, and them telling me what, what music they're listening to. I mean, I was into that and I was into the people I was into, you know, the things we were experiencing to me, that was the best part of, of that, you know, first enlistment. And then when that first enlistment was almost over, you know, um, I, I didn't go on the second deployment with them. I got, cause my, my EAS was less than a year. Mm-hmm. Um, within the, the takeoff date. So they gave me the option, and I said, if y'all don't give me the option, I'm not going. <laughs> yeah, that, so that, that, that's I an easy the coin I there. stayed back. In, in my mind, I was getting the fuck out. I was I was going to do my thing, go to school. But then they start offering you all these deals before you get out of your last six, nine months. Mm-hmm. And so they gave me all three options. I got the bonus, I got the lap move, and I got to pick my duty station. So I was like, okay, I'll do it. And um, went to... I was about to get orders, a lap move as an MP to Miramar. And the recruiter gave me the thumbs up, sent me the email. I did one last like search on my phone back then of like San Diego. And I saw this base in the CRD that was deeper in the city. And I, I told him, I said, I want that place. I want to be in San Diego. And he said, okay, let me see what I can do. An hour later, he gave me orders in CRD and, and the rest is history. You know, that's where my life changed. That's where my life changed big time. That's crazy, man. So what was so for on your deployment? What what was it like for you? I mean, was it were you leaving the wire a lot, or were you just, you just manning the gates, or what was your main kind of task while you were out there? So we did the. I was on the half that did the ECPs the first half. So we were there for seven months. So the first three three and a half months, um, we did the ECPs. I mean, our first, you know, when we were checking on, the, we had to check on the towers and everything, um, you know, on the on the perimeter. And I remember the first kind of interaction I, I take that back that was the second the first interaction was when we the second night we got there we're in the hut I mean on, on the cot I got pictures that like it flooded it rained that night uh with my disposable cameras I took out there by the way I took yeah. like 10 disposable cameras <laughs> um and um and next thing you know we hear that whistle and we heard the mortar drop and that was the only one that whole deployment that we the mortar actually hit inside the base. You, you know, they're terrible at aiming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Thank you, God. <laughs> Thank you, God. But they're terrible at aiming. So they're the only one that hit the base. And it, sh- it shook us out of our cops. And, and that was like night one or two. And we were like, whoa, like we're really here. That was a wake-up call, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, our routine daily, multiple times a day, we're to go check on the um, towers out there. And I just remember the only time we experienced anything closer, like it, it almost sounded like um, you're, you're driving on rock. You know me, and, and the tires spitting the rocks up, you know, and hitting the doors or something like that. You, you know, like like you, you'll never forget that sound. And and I remember yeah. like it was it was like bullets, you know. And and we're like, whoa! And you you, you forget sometimes on that base. I mean, they call it a camp cupcake. Sometimes you, you forget where you're at. Sometimes 
you know, and and they would always not forget to give you a little wake up call and let you know that, hey, you are at war, you know. Um, and then when we swapped over, thankfully, I didn't have to go out there too much. Um, you know, I we, we did go out there playing time. We, we were the reaction force. Um, but man, we, we had a rotation. We had we had a good time. Um, you know, we you know made the best of it. You know, and and it kind of is what it is. You know, there's there's some stories and all that, but. Thing I've gotten into about as much as I would like to, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's so. How just how was it for you mentally? Like, what? How did you deal with it? I mean, I know for me, obviously, it was leaning on my boys. You know what I mean to get through it. And you know, because whether you leave the wire, whether you're on base, whatever the case is, you're in a hostile country where at any point, as you experienced, you know, that shell could have landed right on your cot, and you would have had no way to stop it so how did you handle that mentally just knowing like every day in this bitch there's somebody that actively wants to kill me um music for me you know was a good way for me to put headphones in my ears and kind of block out the rest of the world um so there are um albums and songs that are very um vivid in my memory you know um you know but when you when I look back at Iraq, I mean, to me, I see a a, a movie, you know, if, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and that's the way I, I, I remember it is like a movie. You know, it, I have to rewind and, and fast forward, go through memories to get to another one, if that makes sense. You know, like, yeah. um, you know, there, there's times where somebody asks me a specific question, I can't even answer it. I don't know. But if I'm talking about something else, I'll leave into it. I'll roll into that same topic or something, you know? So, you know, there's, there's memories that are, that are vivid. I remember my top bunk mate, you know, getting, you know, the, the, the shot kind of blowing them out. Uh, Jeremy Jacobs, shout out to Jeremy, big same fan. Um, you know, I remember he, he was my top bunk bank and, and it hit so close that that, that fool fell down. Like he fell over me. And, and I, I slept with headphones in my ears every night with music on. Um, and to this day, I, I need to sleep with the TV on, you know, which yeah. may, may sound silly to some, but I cannot go to sleep if it's quiet, you know, and it drives my poor wife crazy because she's a sleeper. Yeah, <laughs> so, I hit the jackpot because my wife needs the same thing. So we both, uh, I got my King of Queens on at night and she watching the Golden Girls and it's a beautiful thing, brother. Nobody's bothered. I got plenty of noise going on and you know what I mean? It's lovely. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, man, and just as the years have gone by, you know, you just notice, you know, I, it, well, I guess in the very beginning, um, you know, there's, there's something Rob said that really resonated with me. But he said, you know, in the beginning, when, when you get out the Marine Corps, you don't really realize how different you are, you know? Yeah. Like, like you don't realize what you're doing. And, you know, he had somebody at that time that, can, that was pointed out. And, you know, I was blessed with, with Nikki, who at that time in my life was able to point things out and 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 get through to me you know and, and help me see that um maybe it's not quite you know normal what i'm doing right and that's okay you know you just you just gotta kind of address it and not be worried about it and um you know th- those things are are still there you know like i'm I, i'm sweating right now just talking to you and i i sweat a lot more since then you know i don't i can't sit in a car that's hot you know i can't um, you know, go to sleep when it's quiet, you know, I mean, just stuff like that. And, and that's, 
And that's from somebody who, you know, again, not, not to take anything away from what we did, but one tour, you know, and, um, you know, and, and, that, you know, there's people that did so much more, you know, and for those of us who are there, you know, I, I think that's why we have so much respect for the people who went multiple times and who volunteered to go back over and over because that's, for some of us, you know, because remember in the very beginning of this episode, I said, you know, that's not my shit, you know, like, yeah, that's like, like, that's not my thing. I don't, I don't get off on, on the whole military thing. So for me to see firsthand those who are, who are into it, and, you know, you, you respect the fuck out of them. Like those are, those are the heroes, you know, we're all heroes, but there, there's some that go deeper than others, you know, and those ones need to be recognized. Of course. Yeah. And, and I get what you're saying. You know, I think we all, but you know, you can feel that way. And me that's been three times can say, well, this has been seven times. So I don't feel like I've done enough shit. And somebody that went on, you know, a one month tour can say, well, I don't feel right. But I'm just telling you dog straight up man to man, that respect that you have for multiple tours. I have that same respect for you, brother, because you answered that call and you did that. And that ain't, it's real shit. Like, no bull, it's like you, you went to it's war, bro. Shit. So it don't it's matter if shit. you went for I mean, one hour or for one year or a hundred times. You know, you were there and it affected you. You know, it affected all of us. And that's one thing I'm trying to end is people not going and getting help and not seeking help because, well, oh, well, I was only admin or I was only a cook and I never left the base. But yeah, but there's mortars dropping all around that base and there's sirens and and you're away from your family and you they have no idea each second has torture for them because they have no idea if you're coming home you know this these are the things we all went through regardless of the time spent out there no doubt no doubt no that's the truest shit I ever wrote um you know and it's just part of my personality and court to, to, to deflect you know like I, I'm the one that gets uncomfortable at a Padres game when they tell all the best to stand up. You yeah, know, like, me too. I hate it. I hate it. You know, like, like, like I, I didn't do it for the recognition, you know? Like, and, and yeah, you, you're damn right. I, I answered the bell. I was ready to go. You know what I mean? I had, I was locked, loaded, stay to work. You know, like, kind of like what I said earlier, we're waiting for a motherfucker to swing on us so we see we still got it. At that time, we'll wait for somebody to point a gun or shoot, you know? Like, please, Test me. I mean, like, like, let's go. But you know, it's it's just when you're in there, you just you like the end. To th like, you don't understand unless you're unless you're in there. You know, like yeah. you show respect for for others. You know, you you show it's like respecting your elders. You know, it's just you know, hey, I was just doing my job. I was just doing whatever was asked of me at that time. That's it, and it didn't matter what it was. Yeah, well, I mean, you did it, man. And, you know, again, thank you for your service. I'm glad that you have your wife there to kind of help you go through the storm, you know, when, when things get rough, because it's important, you know, and, and on top of PTSD things, there's our all of our regular things, all of the stuff that we had before we even deployed. So fast forward, yeah, you know, and, you guys. Yeah. And after. And so now, you know, you're, you're doing OK, you know, just like the rest of us, you know, you're, you're doing well, you're you're working, you've got a beautiful family. And then COVID hits, man, and it uh, affects your industry directly. And now, you know, fortunately, shout out to Cupcakes, you, you landed on your feet and you're doing big things. But I know that there was a window of uncertainty that that I could only imagine you know, how scary that was. So if, if you're OK with sharing, you know, just get into a little bit about what that uncertain time was like. Of course. 
so, you know, it, the, the, the root of that started once I finally got out the military, you know, like a lot of others, you got that GI Bill in your lap. You got to figure out what the fuck you're going to do with it. Yeah. And for me, I knew I'm not a bookworm. I don't like, I can't go and get a business degree. I can't go to school, go to English class. I can't do that. You know, that's not me. So I went for a skill. And so I went to culinary management program at their art institute. Um, because I figured if I fell out, at least I can cook for myself and survive. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's literally what I was thinking. Yeah, so, not a bad plan. <laughs> so I did that. And once I was done with that, you know, you start interviewing. And again, part of the brainwashing in the Marines is, you know, once they see Marine on your resume, they're all going to watch you. <laughs> yeah. Well, not, not totally true. And it's especially <laughs> not totally true when you stay in a military town. Yeah. Okay. So they want experience in their field. They can give two fucks like, what are your other experiences. Can you cook and how long have you cooked? If the answer is zero time and I'm going to do my best, well, they're going to go to somebody else. Yes. So interview after interview, I got, I got shut down. Finally walked into the apartment one day and my wife is there with her friend Lexi. Shout out to Lexi. She was in the wedding. And um, Lexi was getting promoted from baker to catering manager. And she told me, oh, I can get you in as a baker. I just placed off specialty cafe and bakery. And I said, baker? Like, I don't want baker. I want to make food. <laughs> this right? Like, like, like I'm, I, so she said, oh, we make sandwiches and salads. I said, so put me on one of those lines. She goes, no, 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 no. You definitely want to be the baker in this place. And I'm like, I hate, I've never baked a dozen nasty cookies in my life before that. So I'm like, that's not quite my thing. I hated my one baking course at the Art Institute. Like, that's not my thing. It's just, I like to be able to taste and adjust, not measure and hope for the best. So, I, you know, she finally said, I can get you in there. And at that time, I needed a job, so I did it. And after a few months, I realized I could, I could do this, climb up the ranks pretty fast, and the rest is history. I spent seven and a half years there, was GM for the last three and a half years or so, four years, and thought I was going to retire from there. You know, right. I was making the most money I've ever made in my life. We were, I, I was doing, we were doing very well there at my cafe. I was, you know, life was good. Hashtag pizza and Drake. And, <laughs> um, and, and then next thing you know, the Rona hit and still they were telling us we're fine. We'll come out at the other end. Uh, we're going to get this loan. Everything's cool. Nothing to worry about. We're going to stay open. We lost 93% of our sales Oof. from the Friday where the Rona kind of blew up. And that Sunday night when they did the quarantine and said no one can go to work. That Monday morning, we lost 93% of our sales from that Friday. Wow. And I, I had to cut my hours. I was running 120, 130 hours a day, and next thing you know, I was running 18, 17. Mm-hmm. I got down to nine, eight hours a day from my man, from my manager. I had two managers on at the end. But they were still telling us, we're going to come out the other end. We're going to get this loan. We're fine. This is actually going to be good for us. Yada, yada, yada. And so next thing you know, one Friday afternoon, we get an email saying the CEO is holding a um, conference call at 4 p.m. This is at like 3.07. I'll never get time. 3.07. And I was like, hmm, okay. Strange. Um, but, okay, let's see what's going on here. Maybe it's good news. Yeah. And, and right away, he's crying. A CEO is oh. on the phone crying, telling us that we got denied for, for PTA loans. And we have to close our doors and lose our job by Tuesday afternoon. And that's it hit like a ton of bricks, bro, because I was going to retire from there. Everything was going to be okay. I wasn't worried at all during the moment. This is May 25th, I think. And I'm like, what the fuck? 
fuck is going on? Is this real? Um, and it was as real as can be. And next thing you know, <laughs> I'm applying for an appointment on like a Wednesday morning. Like uh, that's tough. And, and, and shocked, you know, like my, my just being told that my benefits and health, you know, all my health insurance is going to end in less than two weeks. You know, and my wife's looking at me like, what the fuck? And I'm looking at my kid like, what the fuck? And life comes at you fast, man. And, next, you know, and not only that, but then you get word that that $600 extra was going to end in three weeks. So, you know, there was nothing coming, you know, no positive from this. Um, so, you know, you, once you're done feeling sorry for yourself, you got you to gotta move on and get to the grind. And I made a LinkedIn profile and, you know, did all these interviews. And I told myself that I was, I was not going to go back to a bakery. I was going full service. I wanted a restaurant, a bar, all that good stuff. And I was in negotiations with one spot and it broke down right when that second wave started again. When yeah. people started having to close down again, if you didn't serve food, you had to close down. And that's when I said, you know what, why do I want to go into full service? Because it's so, un it's so shaky. I don't want to go to a place that's closing down in a year or two. And then this place called Sprinkles Cupcakes hit me up. Yeah, yay. And they said, yo, we're a perfect fit, Stephen. We, we should interview. And I said, let's do it. And each interview got better and better. And I couldn't deny the match. And I've been at Sprinkles since, God, August. I mean, I'm, I'm a little over two months now, I think. And um, I couldn't be happier, you know. Um, it worked out. And you know what the best part of Sprinkles Cupcakes has been for me is I've gotten seven ex-employees of mine that we lost our job on that Tuesday, seven of them right now in my bakery. Oh, that's fucked, bro. That's, you know, that's awesome, dog. That, that's got me teared up a little bit, bro. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, like, like it, and it, it's okay to be emotional about it. You I mean, because that's what it's all about. That's what leadership is, you know, and I pride myself on leadership and motivation and, and being the best and, you know, when if I got to rebuild a bakery or a store or something from scratch, I'm going to find the workers who I know understand my leadership style and I know that they can work hard and, and be what I need them to be. And that's what I brought in, man. And to see them in action right now, man, it's, it's emotional. It's an emotional time. Oh, yeah. But, and, I, and I'm but, sure there's just a new groove that you guys are working and I'm sure you're fucking firing on all cylinders right now. It has to be. We're going to learn this together. We're all new. You know, I've only been there two months, maybe. And, you know, I've hired these seven workers in the last month and a half, maybe month. And then I got a few others on top of that. Like, when I tell them, like, we're just going to learn this together. I mean, yeah. like, it's us now. Like, this is the squad. Like, we're going to, like, Sprinkles Cupcakes, that's our shit. Let's go. Oh, yeah. And when you've got you know the, I mean? those like-minded individuals, it, it, success is the only option. You know what I mean? When you have... It's everybody on the same page or else why do you go to work exactly exactly i preach it all the time dog you know and it's like i i take my work very seriously like i you think i give a fuck if somebody's like oh what do you love this place like bro my check is relying on all these other people's check you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. and theirs yep. is relying on me so i don't have time to come in here and be mad at at fucking david because he didn't do this and now his shit's at the bottom of the pile no I have shit to do. I don't care. I don't have to be this man's best friend. I have to get this job done because my check relies on theirs and theirs relies on mine. And if we all think like that, it's hard to lose. But 
you know, it, it, a lot of Hard people, to lose. It, it, I agree. It, it's easier said than done sometimes, you know, because people are people, mm-hmm. but when you can find a smaller group and click like that, it's a beautiful thing. So it's, it's awesome to hear, man. Thing. and you're, and you know, and things are good and you're back in the groove and it's great. But there was that small window of, you know, I don't know if I can do, you know, I don't know what to do. I'm helpless and alone. And that's just one scenario, right? And in this life, especially being a combat vet and going through the things we've been through, there's a lot of these situations and it's not always easy to see that light. So what do you say to a vet that's listening right now, dog, that's just, he's at that place where, where he's, there is uncertainty and he doesn't feel like there's anything left for him at the end of the rainbow. Like, what do you have to say to get him to push on? Don't be afraid to start from the bottom. Okay. If you, you got to figure out where you want to be and then you got to figure out how to get there. And in real life, these jobs, these careers, like the the thing, it's not what you know, it's who you know. It's not a cliche by accident. You know what I mean? And, and I know somebody who's going through it right now who, who is crushing interviews and is, and can run any of these places. Um, you know, but it's just, it's not about what you can do. You know, it's about who you know, and you, you gotta be willing to just get your foot in the fucking door. And if you can get your foot in the door, you look around and you evaluate and and you see what this company is about. And you look around and you say, can they, can I get to where I want to be? For me personally, I, I need to constantly put pressure on myself to succeed. Okay. Like I, I need to know that there's a goal. I, I got to get something I'm developing into something I, I need. There's something I have to do to prove I need a chip on my shoulder to constantly get out of bed and go and work my ass off and, and figure out how to be better than I was yesterday. And you have to figure out what career you want to do that in. What makes you happy? Or, or what can you, what are you good at? It's not even what makes you happy. What are you good at first? Because if you're good at something, that makes it a little easier. And then, and then that buys you time to figure out what you want to do. Because they may, that may not always be the first job or the second job. Um, and I learned this year that even if you think you're going to stay with somebody, you may not. Yeah. So you need to constantly be working on yourself professionally and making sure you understand and, and can get your daily motivation to be the best because if you, you know, and that's what, um, you know, my, my wife gives me, um, she busts my ball sometimes because, she, you know, I tell her, I talk to her about work. I let, you know, she lets me just unload on her sometimes <laughs> and just tell her what I'm trying to do. And I need somebody to listen to me, right? Like I, like if you know me, I need to get it out sometimes and just tell you what the fuck I'm trying to do here. Because that's one thing about me is I'll tell you, I'll sometimes to a fault is I'll tell you what I'm doing, why I did it. Um, because I want to know from the people who I know are successful, like where'd I go wrong or, yeah. you know, am I doing it right? You know? And she can't stand it. Cause I tell her like, I'm, I'm trying to be the best like, in my interview process. She cringed when I told her, I told the vice president and the CEO, how do I get on the other side of this telephone call? <laughs> like, is that possible? Because if not, I'm not coming to center. You know, and because that's the, the long-term big picture. At my old job, I told her eventually we're going to move 
to San Francisco because that's where the CEO works, you know, and that's the mindset that I constantly have. And I put pressure on myself and, and I try and call myself the best. I try and tell my bakery or store that we're going to be the best in this company. And as long as I can see what they're doing, the other people are doing in sales, rev, whatever our measurements are, I find out how to measure myself to them. How, how can I challenge myself to be better and make a name for myself? Because I want, I want more, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, you can, you can see it on someone when they have that mindset. You know, I honestly feel that like I'm a big believer in energy and, you know, I can read someone pretty quick. And I think, you know, right away from the jump, like either this dude's about it or he's not. So that's just something else to keep in mind. You know, when you're out there interviewing and you don't play the sheepish, like, oh, well, if you guys would like, be like, fuck that, like kick in the fucking door and say, when do I start? You know what I mean? Like you have to have that mindset. Otherwise, you've lost the second you sit down. Exactly. Right. Like my boy, Robbie says, Robbie died. Bring that big dick energy every day. <laughs> every fucking day. <laughs> man. That, 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 I'd say we end that segment on that. Cause that's a beautiful way to end it. So <laughs> let's roll right into hype versus hate, man. Tell me all about it. I, I mean, I don't blow no spoke, no smoke doggy up. No one's ass. It's one of my favorite shows out right now to listen to. Cause it's just fun. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I don't need to hear about all, who's voting for who and this and that. I just want to hear about sports. Cause I don't watch the sports you guys watch, but I hear you talk about them and it's broken down in a way that relates to me so tell me all about it what was how did it get started and you know what does it mean to you what has it done for you as far as you know giving you a creative outlet okay so i'm obviously the hype of the hype <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah and so that name was you know kind of the um the tipping point for us um as a show because like rob touched on last episode we we would go back and forth for years, you know, and that was kind of me and Rob's thing. Like we, we didn't hang out a lot for the longest time because of distance and everything. But when we talked, it was sports. And when we realized that we were both kind of, excuse me, um, I've been drinking some Happy Alice IPA. <laughs> shout out, shout out to Carl Strauss. Carl Strauss, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll take you as a sponsor. <laughs> and so me and Rob, you know, we're, we're getting to it, but you know, when you realize, you know, I'm. I mean, for lack of a better phrase, so he's going to get off on this. Um, sometimes when you realize you met your match, you know, like somebody who's down for what you're down for and, and understands it the way you do, you know, like when you find that and, and then you guys kind of disagree, you know, like that shit is fun. And that, and, and we, our relationship was built around that. And when we actually would hang out, you know, we had a fucking blast because then we got to like, oh, there's so many laughs and our cheeks hurt and, <laughs> and you know, and, and we had such a good time. And then um, finally when we got to, you know, it's been the last handful of years and, um, you know, my wife, Nikki, and his fiance, baby mom, shout out to Mel. Mel's about to have that baby, by yeah, the way. Yeah, shout, shout out, beautiful baby. Um, you know, and they were kind of telling us, like, why don't you guys just, like, record this already? Because our biggest thing became Rob remembering and me not remembering, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm like, you're talking shit. Like, it never happened. So Rob had to start screenshotting shit to try and prove me wrong. And then they would say, just try and, like, record things. And, you know, for about two years, you know, it was kind of a, um, a joke. We touched on it, but never took it serious. And then um, 
job before, what was it, over almost a year now. Like, you know, it was coming up on Selena's birthday. So it was right around New Year's of, um, you're making me do math, carry the one, the move. <laughs> um, a couple years ago, a couple years ago, um, you know, they came over and, you know, we said, you know what, let's just set a date. New Year's, we'll kind of come up with a plan, see if we can make this happen. And then at New Year's, our plan was by Selena's birthday, which is middle of February, uh, we'll have a date and we'll have more progress. And then by her birthday, we sat on the couch and we hashed out the rest of the details. We made it more serious. And next thing you know, we started doing things like just coming up with a name. And we got Robbie in there about a year before, you know, asking if he would produce. So he went to the Art Institute. Shout out to Art Institute. Yeah, yeah another um, alumni. And, you know, and he was, he was about, about it. And, you know, and the rest is history, you know. Then, then next thing you know, we bought a microphone. And then we started testing it out. And and we developed into this, um, this glass, you know, we... We, we we text every day. You know, we communicate every, all day, every day. <laughs> and we talk to him. I mean, we know each other probably front and back right now, you know, as far as current events. And, um, and so we were able to figure out how we can jumpstart this thing and, and get this going. And, I mean, my God, it's been, it's been a blast. And, you know, and even during the weeks where we're kind of questioning if we want to do this, you know, there's always one of us that's like, yo, this is the best part. Or just the most fun I have all week. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I get to escape. You know what I mean? Just right. escape. Just escape. Excuse me again. Shout out Carl Strauss. Shout out Carl and Strauss. So you just, in the mix. <laughs> so, you know, you just kind of get into this routine and, and you get this escape. And next thing you know, you know, we kind of catch our, our groove and we start having a fucking blast, man. We're like 22, 23 episodes in. Hypers hate, Rob's the hate, as we all know, <laughs> and I'm the hype. He calls me a little fanboy, and the premise of the show is we kind of discuss and go, and talk, go back and forth on some of the topics that we disagree on. Um, sometimes we just go over current events, and you know, but sometimes we agree. Most time we don't, um, and you know, it and it's turned out great. And, and Robbie is, of course, fantastic. Robbie that he is, so he's. He's, you know, any input he has is just fantastic. That laugh is, is unbeatable. And it's yeah, just oh, great, it's man. Laps, it, yeah. It's been fantastic. I mean, the response has been great. I mean, we did it and started it. I know this is going to sound cliche, but just for us. You know, we didn't think any, anybody was really going to listen. I thought maybe 10, 15 people stopped, you know? Like, we didn't do it for that. Um, but then as we started, Robbie got more into the producing. Rob got more into... Um, building the structure of the show. I got more into the brand and we started bringing this thing together and we, you know, and next thing you know, we start getting some momentum and we were at like, I don't know, 13, 1400 downloads now. And I mean, it's not much, but it's still so much more when one of us, I thought we would do like 10, 15 downloads, you know? Of course, bro. Yeah. And don't, believe <laughs> so, me, don't let those numbers fool you either, bro. You know what I mean? I know, it's, I know. It's, it's, it's not even about that at all. You know what I mean? And that's it's a not, solid ass not. number because there's so many people that ain't got zero fucking listens. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. they'll never step out of that comfort zone. They'll never do something, you know, vulnerable like that. Cause it is, you set yourself up for, you know, stupid ass fools to be like, Oh, your shit's whack, whatever they, I'm not saying there's people like that around you, but you get what I'm saying. Like there's always yeah. that in the back of your mind, but I can tell you as a fan of the show, like, 
please, you guys keep going, man. You know what I mean? Because I, I look forward thank to you, it. Not only because I enjoy this show, but also because, you know, we had fallen apart for quite a while. And this kind of gives me a reason, you know, to text in our group thread and talk shit on the mm -hmm. show or just, you know, it's brought all of us back together. And I think that's, you know, another part of the reason I love it. And it ties back into your fanaticism that you mentioned earlier. And you're a big sports fan. You're a big uh, fan of the, of players, individual players, but above mm -hmm. all, you're a D Detroit sports fan. So as a Bills fan, I, you know, I understand loyalty, you know, I'll never waver, but that loyalty comes as a price, you know, when you're watching your team get melted year after year and you know hey, of course of course it. you we of course it. you have some you know you have some some good you know, hey listen i'm talking about my team so you know you have some little flashes in the pan here and there but ultimately you know it's tough it's a tough life but i know you and i know you're never ever that's never going to rattle you you're never going to go anywhere so tell me exactly what the detroit sports scene means to you and because it's got to be it's about more than just you know 12 dudes on a field it's just about home, man. That's my connection to home, you know? Um, that's when I get the rep where I'm from. That's where I get the rep who I am. Um, you know, that's where I get to connect with my family back home. You know, like, it, it means so much more to me than wins and losses, you know? Don't get me wrong. The losses suck, man. And <laughs> yes, it's a curse. Do. Yeah. It's a curse, bro. Like, trust me, like, if we were from goddamn anywhere else, you know, L.A., anywhere, no offense. You, you know, I know you're one of the spoiled L.A. fans. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, yeah, no offense. But not all of us are, are you know, as, you know, blessed with <laughs> the franchises that can spend so much money. So we I'm going to take it as a compliment stuck. regardless. So go ahead. Yeah, whatever. So, you know, <laughs> we're stuck with, with our teams, you know. And, and we go, like, our big stretches are when we almost win. You know, like the Lions, Calvin, and all that. We, we made the playoffs. We got blown out by the Saints. But, shit, we made the playoffs. That was our peak. You know, they, the Tigers, Maglio hit that home run over 14 years to the day right now. <laughs> and, you know, that's the last time and I, I cried from a sports event. And it was the best night ever. Like, I, I would never forget it. Um, but we didn't win the World Series. We got smoked by the Cardinals. Um, that's what we do. You know, I'm just, shout out to Pistons and Red Wings. Those are real champions right there. <laughs> and... You know, and it, it is what it is, but it just represents, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a bandana, you know, it just, it's a representation of where you're from. You know, I, I don't wear my, my Lions face mask to work. I wear them to work every day, but I don't wear them just to rep the Lions organization. You know what I mean? I, I wear them so people ask me if I'm from Detroit, you know, so people ask me about them or, you know, and I get to talk about home. I get to do it, you know, so it's a connection to home and I rep, I rep the shit out of my Lions you know I rep the shit out of my Wolverines my Tigers my Red Wings my Pistons you know like, like that's my shit man and that's what it means to me it, it, it means home it means family it means that connection that bond you know that we get to talk about that's what sports is to me Hell yeah. That's awesome, man. That's I've wanted to ask you that for a long time, you know, because I've we've known each other for a long ass time. And, and bro, I ain't never seen nobody into sports like you're into sports. That shit is wild. Dude, I used to, you know, like I know mornings and nights and my mom would work all day and I was at home by myself. I used to watch Sports Center reruns four, five, six, seven hours in a row. <laughs> like for no goddamn reason, because I wouldn't watch anything else. You know, like there was nothing else on TV until I got into like MTV and shit. Shout out TRL. Like, you know, until that phase. Yeah. 
You know, like it was just sports for me. It was, that's all it was. For sure. That's sick, man. And like I said, the show's great, and man. And wrestling. And wrestling, yeah, and wrestling uh, of course. And you get, you know, you guys are killing it, man. Keep it going, brother. You know, I can't wait for more episodes. And just as we kind of sign off here, what do you want to see as we start to open up the world again and get back to, you know, as normal as we can? What do you want to see as we as we get back out there on these streets? You know, I simplify things as much as possible, you know, and I just wish we can eliminate the picking sides. You know, there's no reason to pick sides. You know, if we can just understand that, hey, if we live in a democracy, then let's just put whatever best candidates have, you know, can funnel their way to the top. Let's take the, you know, the Democrat or Republican out of it, you know, and let's just put the two, three, four, five best candidates up there and let them just talk about their policies or changes and, not about how shitty the other party is. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like that's unnecessary. That's irrelevant. Tell us what positive or what changes you're going to make. Let's eliminate the negative from these debates. Um, and let's let the, the country vote on what they, what option they think is best. And whoever wins, then we just shut the fuck up for four years. You know, it's, it's four years. That's a democracy is what we do. But if we can separate the picking sides of it, because that's really dividing our country, um, you know, the world would be a better place. The country would be a better place. Um, but the world would be a better place if we're a better country because we, we are the shit. Like, make no mistake about it. Like, there's nowhere else to live but the United States of America. So when we're going through a little uh, slump like we are right now, you know, we, we should really look ourselves in the mirror and, and just say, why, why do I need to pick a side? You know, and we don't need somebody to tell us that you have to pick a side. You know I mean, and if we can just still be friends with the other people who choose the other side, that's okay. You know, that's, that's the freedom we have. That's, that's America. That's why there's a thing called the American dream. Um, and man, if, if people can just mind your own fucking business and Hell do yeah. your thing, Hell you know, yeah. Yeah. mind your own fucking business, let people do their thing. Cause we're all grinding. I mean, we're all grinding. We're all trying to get through this shit called life and do it the best we can and provide yep. for our families. And people don't understand that, yeah, even if it's social media, you know what I mean? Like, people check social media just to escape for two minutes. And if you're just constantly being one-sided and negative, even if you're joking or whatever, like, that affects somebody's day. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's unnecessary. What's your point? So take it easy right now. I mean, because shit is real. We're all going through it. So take it easy. Love each other. Okay? Tell somebody hello. I know you can't hug or kiss anybody, like, walking down the street, but your family, you know, whoever you're safe with during COVID, like, tell them you love them. Tell them hello. Tell them you appreciate them. And talk to them, you know? And move. I just want you to know, before you try and sign off here, <laughs> that we thank you brother and we appreciate you and you are a role model that you'll never understand what you you know that level of role model you've become for a lot of us i mean you're one of the people who who taught us it's okay to be yourself and laugh you know and and develop later in your life and and say that you know what that's not what i am and and become who you are and that example you've set motivates us you know like those of us some of us are watching the distance more than we like, and some of us are, have stuck by your side, and some of us 
have gone the other way. But at the end of the day, Mookstar One is Mookstar One, and we love you, brother. Don't, Thank you, don't you forget it. Thank you, and I love you, and my love for you goes deep, bro. And you know, I, I've shared my story many times, and I, I, I've told it a, a many times to different people. And there's the same part remains that I tell every time, and it's that when I hit my breaking point, when I knew I needed help, I had to tell someone. And what people may not know is that you were that someone. Yeah. You were the one that I came to. Yeah. And said, I need help. I need help. And all that fear and all the shit, what's this fool going to think? It went Mm -hmm. right out the window when you put your arm around me and you said, first thing tomorrow, we're going to go get you help. Yeah. You know, and I'll never forget that, man. So... You know, my love for you runs deep. My love for your family runs deep. To and see, love you, you know, to see you succeeding and doing well. I mean, your family, brother. You know what I mean. And I'm thankful. Mm-hmm. I thank you for the kind words. Thank you, all mm-hmm. of you, the all three of you, for coming on and doing this. I think it's awesome. You know, it's awesome to get together to have these conversations and to help build each other's brands. You know what I mean? Because. I got your six, dog. You know what I mean? I'm going to always retweet. I'm going to always share. I'm going to always do that shit because it's free, and it makes me feel good, and it makes you feel good. So where's the fucking And that's why we fucking do it, and that's why we do it. We don't do it for the the listeners or the stats right now. I mean, we do these things for for us and for those people like us, you know, and it's a beautiful thing, man. I, I hope we motivate people. I hope people you know, listen to these episodes and are just like, man, fuck yeah, I, I can fuck with these guys because they are real as fuck and I went through it and that's what it's all about and it, it's emotion, it's real, it's us showing that it's okay and we are who we are and it's okay to be who the fuck you are but you gotta be who you are or exactly. you'll be unhappy for your whole goddamn life. Exactly. Be who you are. Love yourself, love others. Wrap it out. <laughs> hey man brother thank you so much dog. listen to me bro as much as we're friends as tight as we are i never take anyone's time for granted i know you've got a family i know you got work so thank you man for taking the time it really means a lot hey i thank you for having me somebody hit my music all right brother we'll see you next time thank you see you next time Fucking perfect. Uh, I gotta do this with a straight face. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Put the Stress Down podcast. We will have part three for you next week. Shout out to the boys at Hype vs. Hate. Make sure to follow them on all platforms. We'll see you next time. Woo! Hype vs. Hate out. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs>